Hi, everybody. This is Jay. And this is Mark. And we'd like to welcome you to Backstage Pass. We take you behind the magic and inside Disney history, pulling back the curtains and letting you see the Disney magic and history up close. With an eclectic mix of entertaining topics, humor, and tons of information and details, we want to keep you learning and smiling. So here is your Backstage Pass. And the remnants of Hurricane Paloma, which caused some widespread damage in the Palm Bay and Merritt Island areas, swept into us here in Orlando with some strong winds and uh, torrential rains. Reports uh, from the Orlando suburbs have power outages and many trees down this evening. We're expecting tomorrow to be warm and sunny, which will let uh, people get out, assess the damage, and start cleaning up. Hey, Ricky. Uh, man, these Dole Whip floats are great. Wow, Ricky, there are a ton of trees down in this area. I see even the city workers are out early. Hey, guys, I'm glad you're here. That's great. You can see the mess we have here. I see you have some Dole Whips. Yeah, we stopped and picked them up on the way to your house. Hey, we should have gotten Ricky one. <laughs> he couldn't drink one. He's working. Oh, man. Well, I guess that'll teach you to park your car outside during a hurricane. That tree squashed your car like a bug. You know, I always park Caroline in the garage. Yep, you just can't be too careful. Caroline? It's his name for his car. I mean, don't even ask. Hey, Mark, could you hand me that saw? Sure, here you go. Thought we could come out and help. Yeah, we could keep you company. You know. That's nice of you guys. I really need the help. No problemo. So we'll just clear a little space here. Mark, you can sit on that stump. There you go. We'll be glad to keep you company, man. Thought we'd tell you about a very pertinent subject for our next Backstage Pass segment. You know, see what you think. Right, the trees of Walt Disney World. We did a podcast segment on landscaping, but we found a bunch more interesting stuff on trees. Yeah, this will make some great material for our next segment. Uh, great, guys. Thanks. You know, trees at Walt Disney World are not just purchased and thrown in a spot. No. No, the trees at Disney are customized for their role in the park, or cast, as it were, for the part. Trees in the park sometimes have very specific height requirements and are constantly monitored for size and kept in the right proportions for the buildings they are near. Since they are on stage, the trees need to look perfect, so each planting has several stand-ins in case the tree on stage is damaged or diseased. One stand-in is roughly the same age, with several younger stand-in trees as well. When the on-stage tree gets too big and is starting to destroy the forest perspective, or gets damaged or diseased, it's replaced overnight by one of its understudies. Sometimes they're moved to different quarters, for example the trees in front of the American Adventure are on their fifth location. If trees are not able to be used in the resort, they may be sold to area nurseries for use in Orlando golf courses or luxury homes, and if they're not in very good condition, they may be mulched. Right. You know, but sometimes the desired location of a tree might make it really hard to relocate. Take the trees near Cinderella Castle. The trees can't interfere with the utilidor beneath the castle, and the Imagineers didn't want the landscaping crew to have to significantly mess up the castle landscape to try and care for the trees. So when the Magic Kingdom was being built, large containers were framed into the ceiling of the tunnels and filled with a special mix, 
The root balls of the trees were planted into these containers and maintained by special irrigation sprays of water and nutrients. <laughs> I mean, did you know that, Ricky? Uh, no. No, I, I didn't know that, Jay. Uh, watch your feet. Oh, sorry. Wow, that looks like a heavy branch. Hey, hey, watch out for your... Rearview mirror. Oh, well, it's not like I'd be needing that anyway. <laughs> hey, you know the trees used throughout the parks are amazingly diverse? On Tom Sawyer Island, for instance, the forest includes sycamores, maples, oaks, pines, firethorn, azalea, Brazilian pepper trees, elms, and holly, among others. You know, Frontierland is shaded by oaks, maples, sycamores, birches, cactus, and pines. Yeah, but Adventureland and the Jungle Cruise really show the diversity of three continents. Rubber trees, bamboo, papyrus, palms, South African Cape Honeysuckle, and a host of others. There are gas heaters hidden in the rockwork in case the temperature drops to below 30 degrees. Taking care of some of these trees and plants is a challenge. For example, the three-story atrium of the Polynesian Hotel has a waterfall to keep the air moist enough to suit the tropical anthuria, gardenias, orchids, and the coconut palm trees. You know, though, sometimes it's not the location that's the problem, but the actual move. The old olive trees in the Italy Pavilion in Epcot got in trouble on the way from California, where they ran into problems with the Arizona wide load regulations and had to be cut to 10 feet by a chainsaw. Apparently, you can tell the difference from the old and new bark since the old bark is darker. Or how about moving the centerpiece southern oak tree on Old Man Island at the Port Orleans Riverside Resort? which was moved 12 miles from a location now occupied by Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park in April of 1991. It took hundreds of people to move and plant the tree, which was originally 55 feet tall, and weighed approximately 85 tons, including box and dirt. The planting ceremony took place on April 22nd, Earth Day of 1991. That's right, or the Liberty Square Oak Tree. You know the one with the 13 lanterns on it? That is another 100-year-old southern oak, which was discovered some six miles from its current home at the Magic Kingdom. At 40 feet tall, with a canopy some 60 feet across, and an estimated 135 years of age, it was too large to be dollied free or roped or lifted out. The root ball itself was nearly four feet across. So steel rods were screwed into the hardwood and used as hooks to haul it free with a huge crane. Once replanted, the rods were removed and the wooden plugs which had been taken out were replaced. At the time, this was the largest tree ever transplanted. But the wooden plugs became contaminated and the tree became infected and a large section of the interior of the tree rotted. The plugs were pulled back out, the rotted sections cleaned and holes filled with cement. A younger tree was grafted onto the base. Today the tree is decorated with the lanterns following the tradition in colonial America that each town would designate one tree as their symbol for the fight for independence and would serve as the meeting place for the Sons of Liberty. <laughs> That's wild. Or hey, one of those huge palms, a massive three-trunk one, at the entrance to Epcot had to be amputated into its three separate parts and then rejoined at the site when it was moved. And when the boardwalk villas were being built, they rescued a huge specimen that clearly had a future on display but there just wasn't any place to put it. So it spent several weeks in a temporary home, the yet unfilled swimming pool. Whoa, that's a big branch. Pardon me. Although one pine tree at the resort apparently got back at the landscapers, it seems that years before Walt Disney World opened, someone leaned an old push-style lawnmower against a tree and left it there. 
Over the years, the trees slowly grew around it. When the Fort Wilderness campground was being developed, the Disney Imagineers noticed this lawnmower half encased in a tree, thought it was interesting, and eventually put up a small sign to highlight this curiosity. Over the years, the lawnmower continued to be covered by the bark, but now most of the upper half of the tree has been cut off. Now only about 12 feet of the trunk remains. Since the tree is now dead, the lawnmower's slow disappearance has been halted. You know, there's other trees on display at the resort that aren't even alive. Uh, this tree was very much alive and heavy. Oh yeah, but I'm thinking of the ones like the four huge palm trees at Disney Studios in Paris, or the fake cell tower trees. Or how about the Disneyodendron Eximus, the out-of-the-ordinary Disney tree? That's right. The Swiss Family Robinson tree in Adventureland based on the 1960 Disney film. Yep, climb up the 116 steps to the 60-foot tall, 90-foot diameter tree, and you can count the 300,000 leaves. Hey, what is Disneyland's tree called again? You know, the one they converted in 2000 to Tarzan's treehouse? Uh, Disney Odendron Semper Florens Grandis, the large, ever-blooming Disney tree. It has a different name since it would be unlikely that trees of the same species would be found in such different climates. <laughs> Those Imagineers. But hey, don't forget about the Big Daddy Artificial Tree. Right, right, the Tree of Life. What a great park icon. In the Discovery Island backstory, the 145-foot-tall Tree of Life was supposedly the first thing there, and the village sprung up around the tree. Originally, guests were supposed to be able to climb up onto the top of the tree so they could overlook the park. And there was supposed to be a fancy restaurant in the tree called Roots, but it was eventually decided to put a 450-seat theater in the base. But that came fairly late in the design process. Originally, the tree was going to be built as a geodesic dome with leaves applied to the outside of the dome. But the real design breakthrough came when one of the design team members was watching an educational show on offshore drilling and they realized that the offshore drilling rig might be the exact shape to serve as an armature for the trunk of the tree. Once that concept was discovered, they realized the tree could have any type of branches they wanted because of its strength. The branches are made of steel pipes in diminishing sizes with angled and articulated joints to mimic a real tree. The 103,000 leaves are made of kiner, a thermoplastic that has high abrasion resistance, high thermal stability, readily melt processable, resistant to weathering, and resistant to fungi. The tree form itself is made of structural foam covered in a mesh concrete, which was then covered by two to four inch plaster layer, and that served as the sculpting medium for the 325 animal sculptures carved into the trunk. It took a team of eight carvers almost a year, and then the character paint team almost a year to finish the job. That tree is so cool. The detail is just amazing. You know, right. but trees are amazing in general. Right. I mean, look at the texture of this it's branch coming out of Ricky's car window. The depth of the Uh, Jay, I think that might have hit your car. No! Wow. You shouldn't park where trees are being cut down. You can't be too careful. Caroline, no! Nice going, Ralph. Smashed his car, you idiot. Oh, well. I better go see if there's much damage to his precious vehicle. Hey, we'll see you later, Ricky. Glad we could help you. That was the least we could do. Yeah, you can say that again. What? The, you're a, a great friend. Really, you, you are. Oh, I could use a doll whip.
If you'd like to see our source information for this topic or have questions or comments, please join us on the Inside the Magic forums in the Backstage Pass with Jay and Mark section. This is Jay. And this is Mark saying we'll see you next time Backstage.